five something. Luke five twenty seven. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Spacey. Hello. Okay. Oh. No. <laughs> okay. Hello. It's fine. Okay. It's amazing. We want to hear the Bible twice. Where did that come from? Hey, Bob, come, why don't you try your microphone? Oh, is that better? No. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Try yours. Try yours. This one. Hello. Is that working? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Woohoo! Let's <laughs> hope it's worth it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It is. It's the Bible. <laughs> I mean, sorry. It's Luke 27 to 30. One. <laughs> okay. Um, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to, the, to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. Yeah, that's it, thanks. <clears throat> it was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. <clears throat> well, that has never happened before I've started preaching before. The old uh, reverb. <clears throat> um, how are you all? Okay? Good. Uh, my name's Bob, for those of you who I don't know, haven't met, I'd love to uh, say hi to you afterwards, come and say hi, um, it'd be great uh, to meet you. Um, let's pray, shall we, as we uh, unpack what I think the Lord has to say to us um, through that passage. Uh, and uh, Father, we, um, Lord, we just invite you to move in our hearts right now. Um, Holy Spirit, we just open ourselves to your, uh, your voice, your whisper, your leading and your challenging of who we are and of how we live and we want to be more like Jesus our king and our savior so form us and mold us to look like him we pray in Jesus name amen amen all right um follow me uh don't know if you've ever asked anyone to follow you before anyone done a bit of driving and asked someone to follow them and uh, it's, it's gone well or not so well. I, have, uh, I had a friend drive into the back of me, yeah, whilst we were driving along. And I've, I've actually driven intentionally into the back of other people, very gently, uh, whilst I've been following them, just as a little like, wake up every now and again um, at some traffic lights. <laughs> I wouldn't advise it. Um, it was <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I, earlier this morning was um, asking a group of 21 six-year-olds 
to follow me uh, around Hevertree Park. We had Phoebe's, uh, Phoebe's our six-year-old, it was her birthday, and uh, she invited a lot of her friends to a party, and at one point went off on a little animal adventure safari around Hevertree Park. Yeah, and I asked them to follow me, and it, it didn't go well, let me just say that. Uh, well, it went well some of the time. Anyway, um, th- there's this moment in the scripture that we've read, or that Abby read for us almost twice uh, this evening, where Jesus uh, is walking along past this, uh, like this tax booth, this kind of like shack, in the middle of, uh, of, of a road or a street or town in Israel, and, and um, he sees this man in the booth, called Levi or Matthew, and he says to him, follow me. And with those words, the guy gets out of the tax booth, leaves everything, and follows Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about with the words, follow me? They were powerful enough in that moment to, to grip someone and draw them out of their normal life to follow this we don't know how well if he knew Jesus at all if he'd ever seen him or met him but there was something about Jesus in that moment that meant Levi or Matthew got up out of his tax booth and followed Jesus it's an amazing thing to think about what did he hear in that call and I've been looking into um, a little bit of this like story and, and what I, I, I haven't known before is that um, the words follow me were actually very, uh, they would have been well known to Jewish people at that time. Rabbis would use the phrase, come, follow me, to call someone to their apprenticeship, to, like, to learn the way that they do things, the way they live and their teaching. You know, um, for growing up where Jesus did in first century Palestine, uh, the, the tradition was that if you were Jewish, around the age of six, you would start your kind of Jewish education around the age of six. There any, I know there's some teachers in the room tonight. Um, you know, it, instead of like the, uh, the national curriculum that our amazing teachers would start educating our young people or children with, the, the Jewish uh, tradition was that they would start teaching six-year-olds the uh, far, first five books of the Old Testament. So so in my Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they would teach and teach and teach out of these books until the six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds could memorize, had memorized, could recite the first five books of the Bible by heart. Imagine that, just for a second. I don't know if if you're suddenly having a moment of crisis because you're like, gosh, I don't know a lot of, I haven't memorized a lot of the Bible. You know, and these six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds were memorizing the entire first five books, the Torah of the, uh, you know, of of our Bible. That was like stage one of Jewish education. And and then after that stage, usually about like the age of nine or ten, the the children would start to drift into their sort of uh, normal family, um, you know, um, trades, basically. So if your dad was a carpenter, you might apprentice your father at that point and start learning the trade as a 10, 11-year-old. If your mother was in charge of the household at that stage, that's the way things worked, and you might go and learn how to lead and and be in charge of a household and do those things. But if you were really good really good at your Torah, learning the first five books of the Bible, then they might say, 
why don't you stay on? And you can go to stage two. Stage two of the Jewish education was to learn the rest of the Old Testament by heart. Now, in my Bible, that is about that much. A 10, 11, 12-year-old learning that by heart. And then, if you, if you, if you finish that, that moment, then you'd go off and join the family business. But then if you were really, really, really good, like exceptional, then someone might encourage you to say, go and find a rabbi and ask them if you can be their apprentice. Only the best of the best. And what would happen is these young people would apply, make an application to a rabbi to follow them. I don't know quite what the application form you know, detailed, but the rabbi would then meet this person and they would drill them. What do you think about this? Tell me what this verse says. What about this? What about this? What do you think about this? And only the best of the best of the best would be asked in these words. This is what the rabbi would say to them. Most people, they'd say, go join the family business. But some, the best of the best of the best, the rabbi would turn to them and they would say, come, follow me. And that was, that was the phrase that they used to say, you're in. You're in. Okay, I'm going to show you a video uh, now of this um, text that we had read to us by, um, by Abby. And uh, it's from a, a, a um, production called The Chosen. I don't know if any of you have seen that. My friend Nathan got me into it over there, and it's awesome, really cool. But this scene depicts kind of what happened in the text, uh, and it shows it really well. So, We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. 
I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Hey, it's Dallas and the creator of The Chosen, and yes, season gives a little pitch at the end for, for the chosen. Levi, Matthew, encounters Jesus. He wasn't good enough to ask a rabbi to apply to be a rabbi's apprentice. Neither were the other guys that you see around, them, the other disciples, the fishermen that Joe spoke about last week, if you were here, Peter, James, and John doing the family trade because they didn't know the Torah well enough. They weren't good enough. They weren't the best of the best. And yet Jesus goes around and he says to these people, follow me. I want you. Follow me. I want you. Follow me. And you can see in the moment, they, they, they portray it so well, the confusion over the other disciples' faces at, the, at wanting, at Jesus wanting Matthew, Levi, and you know why they didn't want him? Why they were so confused? It's because that Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew had, had sided with the Romans. He, had, he, had, he was a traitor to Israel. He, he, he'd said, I, I, I'm going to leave my people and I'm going to go and work for the enemy. And not only that, not my, I, only am I going to go and work for the enemy, I'm then I'm going to extort my people. And I'm going to cream the top off and live really well. You know, the, 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 um, the Jewish people referred to the tax collectors as thieves and robbers. They were known for being, you know, um, extortioners in, in the way that they worked. Matthew has made this choice, this, this, this moment where he's decided um, that he, he, he's going to side with the enemy. And Jesus has chosen him. And they don't understand it. They don't understand it. Because to follow a rabbi, to, to, to walk in the way of the rabbi, they all knew it wasn't just to learn what the rabbi knew or what the rabbi was teaching and be able to recite it to other people. It wasn't just to know what the rabbi knew. That's not why you followed a rabbi. You did. You, you wanted to know what they knew, but you followed a rabbi to do what they did. To do what they That was the call. Come and do what I do. Not just know what I know, but do what I do. It's a call to be all in. And Matthew, Matthew is in the wrong camp. And in that moment, um, Jesus reverses his reality. Jesus reverses his reality. He opens a door that no one else could open for Matthew to re-enter Jewish society to come back through to be made right to be as important enough as to be someone who would follow a rabbi a disciple 
He restores Matthew to a place that Matthew couldn't get to on his own. He reverses his reality. He's on the outside, but he meets Jesus, and suddenly he's on the inside. And you see that in the Gospels. Whenever people meet Jesus, he reverses their reality. He's always about it. In the, in the chapter, uh, the same chapter that we've just read from t- tonight, earlier on in the chapter, Jesus meets a man with leprosy. And the leper comes to Jesus. And in those days, the lepers, were, they were outcasts from society because they would spread the disease around. So they, were, they had to live outside. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed in. He comes to Jesus, this leper, and he says, Jesus, will you make me clean? I'm unclean. Will you make me clean? Jesus reverses his reality. The unclean becomes clean. Then in the the next bit of that chapter, there's a a paralyzed man who can't walk. Four of his friends carry him to this house where Jesus is. They pull the roof apart because the crowd's so big. They lower him through the roof and he meets Jesus. And Jesus reverses the reality of who this man is and his experience. He can't walk. He meets Jesus. He can walk. Jesus is about reversing reality. When you, when you see what he does it, it, through the Gospels, whenever he meets anyone, he's reversing the reality. He meets someone who's blind, their eyes are open. Meets someone who's deaf, their ears are opened, they can hear. Meets someone who's lame. Meets someone who's dead, they live. Reality is reversed over and over and over and over and again. And we know... Many of us will know in this church of the ways that Jesus has reversed our realities that we once knew or is about in the process of doing that for some of us. Where, where some of us have had bitterness and unforgiveness towards people in our lives who've hurt us. We met Jesus, you meet Jesus, and he starts to bring mercy and forgiveness. He reverses the reality. Some of us have struggled with addiction and dependence on substances. And when we meet Jesus, he starts to lift those things off us. There's freedom where there was addiction. Some of us, um, in fact, there was a lady in this church who was blind. She met Jesus in a powerful way. I think her name was Anne. And eyes opened. Reality reversed. I was hearing that story uh, yesterday, and, and uh, Becky was telling us that um, she was there when it happened, and she heard the children running ahead, uh, like announcing to everyone, and can see, and can see. You know, when, when, when she met Jesus, reality was reversed. Some of us have struggled with debt, with crippling debt, and we've met people who've helped us through the power of Jesus to find freedom from that debt. Some of us have, had, have experienced hopelessness, and yet with Jesus we can find hope. He reverses our reality. And so Levi, in that moment, he's sitting in his tax booth. He's outside. He's not welcome at dinner parties. You hear him say that at the end. He's not welcome. But the dinner party's at his house. He's suddenly welcome. He's on the outside, but Jesus reverses the reality. He's on the inside. And then, what does Matthew do next? We read in the passage, it says, He got up, he left everything, and he followed him. And then, and then he starts to invite other people who are like him 
to experience this reversal of reality. He, um, he, you know, he, he, he says... Uh, he says to his friends, to the other tax collectors, come, you know, like, meet this man, Jesus. He throws a party for Jesus so that other people can, can experience this. And, uh, and, um, and, and if we are Jesus' disciples, if we're all in on this thing of being Jesus' disciples, then it's not just about us knowing who Jesus is and knowing about what he teaches. It's about us doing what Jesus did. That's the call to be a disciple, to do what Jesus did. To be about his business in the world of reversing reality, of introducing people to Jesus so their reality might be reversed. Matthew extends the invitation to people just like him to have their reality reversed. And that is the call for us as Jesus' disciples. If we're all in, to be people who are extending the invitation in the worlds that we live in for people to have their realities reversed. For people to move from darkness into light because they've met Jesus. From death into life because they've met Jesus. Um, a little while ago, um, we, we, um, I, Tabby and I used to live in Watford. Anyone ever been to Watford? Oh, a few people, okay, yeah. Oh, Grotty Watty is... Uh, had more visitors than I, I thought it might. Uh, anyway, um, Grotty Watty was a lovely place um, in many ways to, to live. And uh, it had this um, Sainsbury's. In fact, it had this like, big roundabout with loads of superstores on it, all, all like competing. And uh, one of the superstores was Sainsbury's. And I, I remember being in that Sainsbury's superstore uh, one day, and I was buying flowers and uh, a magazine, so Tavi reminded me at the last service, uh, for, uh, for Tabs. And I think I may have, I maybe have been buying the flowers in the magazine to apologise for being a douchebag or something, you know, like getting some, you know, just being an idiot, um, which has happened many times. And uh, um, anyway, I had these flowers in this um, magazine, and I was walking out of Sainsbury's, and the door slid open. As I walked out of Sainsbury's, I noticed this um, elderly lady who was sat on a bench outside Sainsbury's with her shopping trolley and just a couple of bags in the shopping trolley. And, um, and I just remember looking at her. And you know when you look at someone and you can kind of tell just how they're feeling? It's just, it's just on their face. And I could just tell that she was really low, really low. And I, was, I just no, noticed her and I sort of started walking off to the car. And I'm... Um, and then I felt, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, I felt like God was speaking to me and like prompting me with an idea of giving the flowers to this lady. And I was like in my head like, God, is that you? Do you say things like that? I don't know. What on earth would I do anyway if I did give these flowers to this lady? You know, for one, tabs would be really, you know, missing out. <laughs> my apology wouldn't be half as good, you know, with just a magazine. Uh, but... I was like, what, what would I even say to this lady? Anyway, so I put the flowers in the back of the car, closed the door, got in the car, started the engine. And then I just thought, I had this moment where I was just like, all right, well, God, if this could be you, then I want to take a chance on it. So I got out of the car, picked up the flowers, and I start walking over to this lady. And I'm like, well, on the way over, I'm like, God, you better give me something else to say to this lady, otherwise this is just going to be weird. You know, I just sit down next to her and give her some flowers and then run in the other direction. 
anyway, so I was like praying, like, God, would you speak to me for this lady? Give me a little prompting, a little word or something for this lady. And, um, and I just felt him say to me, tell her she's not forgotten. Tell her she's not forgotten. So I went up to this lady, I sat next to her, and it was awkward, you know, like this moment of like, hello, <laughs> what are you doing here? No, uh, uh, anyway, like just, you know, trying to start a conversation. Anyway, I, I said to her, look, I'm a Christian, and I think, I believe that Jesus is alive, and he speaks today, and God knows who you are. And, and I just felt him ask me to give you these flowers, and to tell you that you're not forgotten, that he hasn't forgotten you. And, the, late, and she, the, the bottom lip started to go, you know, and she just started to weep. Um, and, um, and then I didn't know what to do at all, you know. And I was like, <laughs> you know, gosh. Uh, so we just waited for a little bit. And then eventually, she, like, as she like, just gathered herself, she, had, she told me, she said... Um, I've come straight from the hospital um, to Sainsbury's because there's no food in my house. I'd been in hospital for two weeks. And she said, I was just sitting here thinking how sad it was uh, that no one came to visit me for the whole two weeks and no one bought me flowers. And, um, and I was like, you know, you know, in that moment, you're like, she went from feeling forgotten and she went to feeling remembered in that moment by God. And I had the privilege, the utter privilege, of extending the invitation to her to have her reality reversed, to play a part in what God was doing in that moment. And I want to spend my life doing stuff like that, you know, like living like that as an apprentice to Jesus, as someone who lives for him and for his kingdom, who's about his business. I want to keep extending an invitation for people to have their reality reversed over and over and over. And I feel like that is the call for each of us as Levi and Matthew and the other disciples were about to find out from Jesus. You know, Jesus will go on in a few chapters' time, in fact, four chapters' time, he will get ready to send them out and when he sends them out, he doesn't just say, go and tell people what I've told you. Tell them my teaching. He tells them to go and do what I do. Go and do what I do. He says to them, he, he gave them power and authority. This is Luke chapter 9. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's what it means to be a disciple to do the things that Jesus did, to be about his business of seeing people's reality reversed, to extend the invitation, come meet Jesus and have your reality reversed. And that is the call for us as the church to be a people who are about that in this city. If we're going to be all in, that's what we're all in for. Yeah, that's what I'm all in for. Amen? Amen. All right. Why don't we pray? Because we can't do this on our own, okay? So why don't you stand with me for a second? Is that okay?